day, talking about the tabernacle. I'm just giving you a little drawing here. I think I got a little feedback. That may just be where I'm standing. Uh, okay, here are our. Here's the tabernacle. Outside here, we've got the the outer court. This is where it was possible for uh, any uh, child of Israel to, to enter in and be involved in worship. We have the uh, brazen altar, the altar of brass here, the uh, laver uh, that uh, filled with water for washing. And then here we get into the uh, holy place here, the holy place, and here the most holy place or the holy of holies and uh, here we have the uh, the candlestick the golden candlestick the altar of showbread and the golden altar the altar of incense and the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat this is two different things that uh, the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat uh, and we're going to look at uh, each of these particular pieces of furniture, these seven pieces of furniture, the outside, every single thing is packed with meaning and with understanding, and uh, we're looking forward to that. Now let's uh, turn uh, just back a little bit. Uh, I was just reading through and actually working on my uh, sermon for this morning, and I came across this text that I think would uh, kind of give us a feel for the uh, intensity uh, of God dwelling with man. You, you and I, sometimes it doesn't uh, strike us that this, for God to dwell with man is, a, uh, is an awesome thing. For God to actually dwell in the presence of sinful men. For God to leave heaven and to take up a boat in the midst of humanity is an awesome thing. It's an awesome condescension or, uh, or giving up of rights for God, and it can be a terrifying thing for man. And because you and I don't normally think along those lines, uh, we sometimes uh, think that God's just uh, the big granddaddy in the sky, or God's just some benign old man up there that just uh, uh, dispenses goodies. We, sometimes it, it eludes us, or we fail to grasp, uh, even to a degree, the intensity of what this is, that God would come and dwell with man. And so I, I'd like to look at Exodus 19, 10 through 20. And if someone could find that for us, Brother Ken Helton, read that nice and loud. And uh, let's just look at uh, this thing that we're, uh, we're talking about. Let me just make sure. Okay, he goes on to, God says now, he's not only told him once, then he says again, now make sure that those people don't come near this mountain. If they come near this mountain, they're going to be put to death. And this is the giving of the Ten Commandments, and God gives the Ten Commandments, and at the end of this, in chapter 20, verse 18, it says, All the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They said unto Moses, Speak 
thou with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And God said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you that, you fe that his fear may be for your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off, and Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. So if, there's a picture of the intensity of what's happening here. This is something awesome. That when God would, in His holiness and in His power is going to come to even speak to man, man's terrified. Man, they say, no, we don't want to hear His voice. We're, we're afraid if we even hear His voice, we're going to die. Such is a, uh, even a small picture of the difference between a holy, awesome, majestic, righteous God and sinful humanity. And there, the chasm so great and so large, and yet God desires to dwell with man, and the only way that that was going to be able to happen was the tabernacle. God's dwelling with man would be through the tabernacle, and uh, this is not just uh, uh, a little uh, uh, picture uh, that uh, uh, has no relevance today, but the same principles uh, that God invested in these pieces of furniture and in this structure, those principles have not changed. God is still God, and, uh, and His nature hasn't changed, and we don't worship at a tabernacle anymore, but we still have an altar. And that altar is uh, now the cross of Jesus Christ uh, and this becoming real uh, in our experience uh, in living for Jesus. Praise God. Okay, before we go on, uh, if there are any questions or any thoughts that you've had, anything that we might have left uh, misunderstood last time. Good. Amen. Let's move on to... The second point of our introduction, what I've called the, the condescension. This is God coming and dwelling with man. God wants to dwell with man. That's God's desire. We talked about last week that this isn't something that, that was formulated in the mind of Moses uh, to try and get God to come down. This is God's desire. This is God's plan, God's pattern, because God really does want to dwell with man. Now, when God wanted to dwell with man, He wanted to dwell with His people, He chose a tent. Now, why would God, if, I mean, if he's going to dwell with man, why a tent? Okay, there's the, uh, the pilgrim aspect of that. Okay, Mike. Okay. Brother Jeff? Uh-huh. Okay. All of these things are getting at it. Brother Randy? Okay. He's showing his willingness. 
Now, this, isn't, this is something we were going to get into a little later, so I'm just going to write it down. His willingness to humble himself. And this is a, it's an important principle, as we'll see in the coming of Jesus, but also as an example for us. Mark? Okay. He dwelt in tents because his people dwelt in tents. That's where they were living. They were living in tents, and so he chose to dwell in a tent. They weren't living in tents, and so he desired to live in the White House or to live in some great cathedral or uh, some great uh, uh, dome structure. He wanted to dwell where his people dwelled in the fashion that his people were dwelling in. See, God is not ashamed to dwell with us. God's not ashamed to come and to identify with His people. Isn't it interesting that sometimes God's people are ashamed to identify with His people? Isn't that intense? God is willing uh, to come out of the glory of heaven where He's worshipped night and day and to dwell in a tent to identify with His people and yet there are some of God's people that are ashamed of God's people. That's convicting, isn't it? God willing to identify with us. That if God worked on the job and somebody said, does that guy go to your church? He wouldn't say, well, uh, sometimes, uh, you know, or, uh, uh, you know or, or do you go to that church? Well, well uh, my wife goes. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just go with her just to keep her happy. God wouldn't talk like that. God say, yes, amen. Those are my people. That's my brother. That's uh, my child. God's willing to identify. He's not ashamed. If we get saved, we, we begin to identify with God's people. He didn't, we don't just get saved to be on our own. We identify with God's people, and uh, no matter what the reputation of the church may be in the community, we're, we're not ashamed to identify with God's people. Mark? Praise God. Amen. Someone find Luke sixteen fifteen quickly, if I could just get a hand on that. Uh, Brother Rod, and let me get these other scriptures while I'm at it. First, second Corinthians 5, 11. Dennis, second uh, Peter 1, 13 through 15, Heidi and uh, Kathy, uh, John 1, 14. Okay, how different, too, from the mentality of religion. The mentality of religion is that somehow we have to make this the most glorious structure that it could ever be. And the, the tabernacle was beautiful and uh, in, inside it was beautiful and there, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a nice appearing structure. But as we see, that that wasn't where God's heart was. That wasn't his desire that he was going to, uh, you know, all the uh, Baal gets nice temples and Ashtaroth gets nice temples. So if I'm ever going to come down to earth, man, I'm going to get the best temple. Isn't that interesting? That God, he wasn't into that. That God was more interested in people. More interested in people than buildings. More interested in dwelling with people. And... That to have his, have him be thought of 
not as the God that lives in the best temple around, but the God that dwells with His people. Hallelujah. Praise God. That God's more concerned about identifying with you and I than with the structure and building. Praise God. I'm glad I'm saved this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke 16, 15. That which is highly esteemed among men is abomination to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, what if you were a heathen? I mean, you're just, uh, you're not a child of Israel. You don't know nothing about nothing. But you have inside of you an, an emptiness, say there's something inside of you that longs to know God, to to some kind of reality you look up into the stars into the to the universe and uh to you that it's just a majestic uh infinite thing you look at the creation you look at the mystery of life you look at the vastness of creation and you're beginning to to understand that this didn't all just happen somebody made this there's a there's a powerful God somewhere that has made all this, that somehow that has made you. And you're, there's something, there's a desire in your heart to find out who that is. And as you're going along, maybe you're just in a little nomadic tribe and going through the desert and you look over a hill and you see all these people and right in the middle of them is this tent. And in your conversation, you find that the God that made all of that lives there. Now, what would be some of the things that that would trigger in your mind? The God of all creation. You've seen temples. You've seen uh, all that other giant. But now this is, this is a God, he's just, he's dwelling in a tent in the middle of a camp. What would that trigger in your mind about who God is? Dick? Okay, praise God. He's accessible. Good word. How... How we're going to get there, we'll talk about later. But he is accessible. Brother Ken? I, this, that's exactly what happened to an awful lot of things when I first got saved. But the thing that I knew was God's presence. Praise the Lord. And I hungered for that. So, you know, I, I would have rejoiced in that. By uh -huh. Praise God. Good. Mike? Uh-huh. Okay. Good. Amen. Good. What about, what would you feel was God's attitude toward you as a person? Okay. I'm important to God. But somehow, with all of this, and, and I'm sure they don't have the comprehension of the universe that you and I have today with all of 
the, of the scientific awareness of its vastness. But you and I feel enough, we can feel like a, just a bit of dust on a bit of dust in the vastness of it all. And so this guy or you and say if you and you, his place can feel the same way. And yet somehow the God that made it all is interested in you. That you're not something, you're not just there for him to be involved in, in the temple worship and trying to appease him and trying to wake him up from drunken stupors to see if he'll and goad him into doing something for you. But somehow he has come, uh, that God has come to dwell with you, to dwell on your level, to come and to, and he's interested in you. What should begin to be aware of. You didn't know, know all that was involved. You didn't know all the revelation. But you must know that God must really love people. He didn't have to have a big uh, honking temple to come. He didn't have to have uh, all kinds of uh, uh, wonderful things to come. What he wanted was to be with people. This God must really love people, right? And that's what the tabernacle, it's a picture of what he was going to do in Jesus Christ. Come, take on a human tent. Uh, no form or comeliness that we should desire him and, and willing to do that because he loved us. I, uh, I remember when I first got saved, it was a revelation of who God was. That he was willing Praise to God. wherever we were. Amen. We didn't have to come to church, but God wanted to save us wherever we were. Praise God. Let's look at some of these scriptures. See, the next step is that God, as we just begin to say with Rod's comment, they, that his, he was going to dwell and actually become a person. Not the, this is moving towards this revelation that he would dwell with people, but the fullness of that revelation, <laughs> the mind-boggling thing that he actually became a person. Praise God. Second Corinthians 5. I don't know if that's the right one. Second Corinthians 5.11. You, you read the one I told you, but I... Uh, okay, let's move on. It's in that passage. It's talking about uh, uh, God coming, uh, taking on... Uh, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I think that's 20, 21 instead of 11. My fault. Second Peter 1, 3, 13 through 15. The word dwelt. The Greek word there is tented. The word tented among us. It's a, it's, it comes from a word for tent or tabernacle. And what it's literally saying is the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Now the tabernacle is, is not just a building so he can dwell with man. But the awesome thing is, is the word actually became man. So identify with us now even to take on human flesh. And that's how much God loves you. And if you think taking on flesh is just a great fun for God, uh, not really. See, this is the thing. You, God has made a way for you and I. That we saw that tremendous difference, the holiness and the majesty of God and the sinfulness of man. And God has made a way. God has made a way for us. 
Now, some people would say, well, isn't it? I mean, the tabernacle, isn't that kind of narrow? Maybe if you were that heathen. I mean, uh, is that the only way? I mean, that tabernacle, if I'm going to meet with God and have fellowship with God, isn't that kind of a narrow, you know, just a little, uh, few feet here and there and a few little pieces of furniture? I think that's awful narrow. People say, well, you mean Jesus is the only way? Isn't that kind of narrow? I mean, there are other religions. There are other people, and they're sincere, and they believe God. Isn't that narrow? Well, yeah, it is narrow. But thank God He's made a way at all. <laughs> thank God that there's... He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to give us a hair's breadth to try and get through. He didn't have to do anything for us. And our sinfulness and our rebellion, and yes, He has made a narrow way. Jesus is the only way. But thank God there's a way. Thank God that He's come and that we can have life. See, God desires to dwell with man. When God dwelt in the garden, God met him in a garden. When, 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 did I say when man dwelt in a garden? God met him in the garden? I hope so. Uh, when, when his people dwelt in tents, God dwelt in a tent. When his people uh, took the land and began to dwell in, in established buildings and Jerusalem was finally conquered, then God dwelt in an established building. And all to move to the culmination that for eternity now, God became a man. You know, Jesus, the Son of God, is still a man. Still God, still a man. Became man for eternity. <laughs> oh, man. Isn't that unbelievable? That God has so identified with you and I. I tell you, He loves you, friends. <laughs> he cares about you. He did that for you and me. He didn't have to do that. Thank God. See, you and I, we get saved. We're upset if we've got to change our lifestyle a little bit. You know? What do you mean I can't? Can't live with my old lady anymore. I, you know, I got to get married. You mean I, I got to lay down this dope and stuff, and and uh, you know, come to church with all these nerds? You know, uh, you, what do you mean? Uh, you know, my, you know, what's what gives? And yet, what is what is the example of God? What's the example of Jesus? He gave up his whole lifestyle and gave up everything that he liked to do. Everything that, that he had the privilege and a right to do to identify with you and I. See, you and I, we, uh, we may have some, some difficulty in trying to relate to somebody that isn't quite like us. And, well, they're different from us. And they're not quite our style of people. You think we were God's style of people? <laughs> Not since the garden we weren't. <laughs> and yet, God coming to this cesspool of humanity, of earth, and willing to become a man and to dwell with us. Amen. That should convict you and I to the bone about our willingness to sacrifice part of our lifestyle. Oh, you mean i got to break my Black Sabbath album? <laughs> You mean, I, you know, well, this is a drag. I got to, you know, throw out my, my video recorder. 
I'm going to serve God, not watch those porno films anymore? Look what God did, man. Look what God laid aside for you. Hey, come to this church. You know, I've got, a, I've got a good position in the community. I think I should go, you know, where there's some lawyers and doctors and everything. Is that what God's attitude was? Thank God. Amen. Did, we, did I have a hand, Mark? Amen. Amen. There's the picture right there. Greater love is no man than this. Then he lay down his life for his friend. Jeff? You know that for me is greatest sacrifice and surprise. Yeah, the Philippians tells us that, uh, that he humbled himself uh, to the, uh, and became obedient. But first he humbled himself taking the form of a servant. That the, the sacrifice of the incarnation itself was a sacrifice to lay aside, to empty himself and take the form of a servant. And then uh, that's culminated in the final total death. Uh, Romans twelve sixteen. Amen. We don't want to just have a, a few people awake for a service. We want to just make sure we got everybody with us. Somebody then find Ezekiel forty eight thirty five over here. Uh, Bob Kimball. <coughs> Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 32 and 33. Okay, I don't live to please myself, but to please other people. Does that mean we're to be men pleasers? No. What it means is that sometimes pleasing you and serving somebody else are going to come into conflict. And what Paul says is what I do when that comes into conflict, I seek to serve rather than to please myself. That's the example of Jesus, and that's the example for our lives. Your needs and other people's needs are going to come into conflict. And God's uh, example to us is that we sacrifice in that way. Uh, 9, 19 through 22. Praise the Lord. The same thoughts given there. 12, 16. Praise God. So condescend to men of low estate. That's what we're talking about right now. Condescension. Condescend to men of low estate. James talks about, well, when the rich folks come into church, do you all smile at him real big, shake his hand, give him a seat next to you? But if, uh, uh, you know, some guy that uh, doesn't smell too good and, and uh, doesn't look like he's got too much money and looks like he's, his nose is a little extra red this morning, probably an alky, and kind of just sit him in the back and uh, just kind of uh, stay five feet away, uh, he says, yeah, not to do that. They condescend to those of low estate. We say, oh, no problem. That's until you meet one. That's until you smell one. That's until you have to, you have to sacrifice. No problem. You just shake hands say hi, and move on down the road. <laughs> but we're talking about to the serving. Okay. Uh, Ezekiel 48, 35. And the name of the city shall be the Lord is there. This is talking about uh, the final culmination. 
See, the, uh, the, in the book of Revelation, the, that God for eternity, His dwelling for eternity will be with men. <laughs> the, his, it, when it's all drawn together, when it's all tied together, that we'll see God dwelling with us for all eternity. God wants to do that. Amen. Praise God. Let's then quickly, uh, if we can get through this, we are... We can start talking next week about the uh, uh, about the fence, but let's quickly look at centrality. Centrality. Okay, uh, numbers two, one, one and two. Numbers two, one and two. Uh, Mike Solano, uh, get that for us. God will only dwell with us when he is the center God doesn't dwell in our back room God's not interested in uh, uh, having a, a tent in the back God gave a particular structure that this tabernacle would uh, would be here you'd have uh, uh, certain tribes of uh, Levites here you'd have Aaron, uh, Moses, Aaron, and the priests. Here you'd have uh, uh, Judah. Uh, you'd have three tribes here, three tribes here, three tribes here, and three tribes here. And if you really want to get into it, you can see the significance of why they're all there. But that's not our purpose. But what you do see is that God said, "If I'm going to dwell, then I'm going to be the center. I'm going to be the focus." of your entire lives. All the tents, focusing. If I'm going to dwell with you, I'm not going to be your hobby. I'm not going to be the thing that you do on Sunday morning. I'm not going to be something that, that you, uh, a foxhole that you dive into when uh, things go bad. He says, I only dwell when I'm the center. I'm only active and I'm only moving in, in the revelation of myself and accomplishing my purposes when I'm the center. Numbers 2, 1 through 2. Okay, that's New King James. Okay, the King, that's fine. King James says, they'll dwell far off. Now, you see, there's, there's still that separation. See, and so there's, there's some distance here just by way of illustration. I haven't given it but there's a, there's a great distance that is still there now we may if we have time we might talk about why that would be but this is uh, this is taken uh, as God uh, seeking to relate this something that the Israelites had seen with their own eyes in the the Bedouin or nomadic tribes they'd have a chieftain they're uh, the uh, chief of their tribe when he would come to the place where he wanted to dwell he'd take his spear and cast it into the ground. That would be a symbol of rest. He would build his tent in the middle and then they would all build their tents around him. And so the Israelites had seen this many times. They knew this took place. They had seen it for years. And so in their minds, this is the same thing. So this one right here, this one that uh, dwells, this is Lord. This is the chief. This is God. This is, not just, uh, this is not just the religious aspect of our lives. This is not just uh, uh, the big church 
uh, on the uh, on the city plaza that uh, overlooks the city plaza and the whole uh, and our our religious part of our lives we we kind of enshrine there no this is chief this is lord this is the one that we obey when he would time to go he'd pull up his his spear and they'd move on and the picture of the pillar of smoke the same thing the pillar of smoke would stop they'd build their tent when the pillar of smoke would move they would move on with him god wants to dwell with us but only when he's the center only when he's lord chief king second chronicles 26 uh mike elsis uh, uh brother tossing psalm 24 10 and first timothy 117 brother bernier and his presence is a focal point the rallying point he's god very uh, you know i guess all over the world you'll go to to city centers and there'll be big catholic church right there in the middle that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about a religious edifice we're talking about god being the center of our lives god being the dwelling place early uh pilgrim uh settlers they would always uh they'd erect their meeting house right there in the the center and then the uh the rest of the community would build around that's okay but that's not what we're talking about just that the religious part of their lives is there this is god chief second second chronicles twenty sixteen. What that? What? What was that? Twenty-six. That's what I said the first time, wasn't it? Second Chronicles twenty-six. My fault. My my colon looks like a looks like a one there. I, so this is the problem. Part twenty-six. Twenty-six. Yes, amen. Okay. This is God. Psalm 2410. Okay. The King of Glory. 1 Timothy 117. Amen. Unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, God only wise, be honor and glory forever. So this is, this is what we're talking about. Not just that we're religious, but God is King. God's chief. God is Lord. Okay, we're going to just finish very quickly uh, with this thought. In this tabernacle is going to take place the meeting of God with man. This is going to be where redemption takes place. Where sinful man, through the entering the gate, through the brazen altar, through the labor, and the priest into the tabernacle, this is where man is going to be reconciled to God. The worshiper that enters, that his, uh, his sacrifices will be acceptable to God, and this is where man is reconciled to God. The very center of the life of the people of God is to be men being reconciled to God. 
The focus of our lives is not church growth, not heavy doctrine, not uh, uh, great uh, reputations in the community, not building glorious uh, edifices. The center of the focus of the people of God needs to be seeing men reconciled to God. That's what we're there for. That's where our focus. God, for all time, every day they would set up their tent, they'd look out, uh, and they'd see men being reconciled to God. Men being reconciled to God. That was the focus of their lives. We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. That God doth beseech you by us. Be reconciled to God. We, in Christ's stead, we'd say that we, instead of Christ, beseech you to be reconciled to God. That's not a minor issue. That's not a thing for some churches. Well, you're the mouth of the body over at the Foursquare Church. No, that's what God's people, that's the center of our lives, is to see men reconciled to God. Amen. We've got to dismiss. The Lord bless you. Come back next week, please. And we're starting church right now. <laughs>